Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. It's not going to be the last time we face another challenging market like this that tries your patience, that tests your resolve and your grit to power through, you know, some of the mental, physical, financial burdens that are in front of us at certain seasons of our life. And that's where just having the plan and the discipline to fall back on your default habits that you committed to and agreed in the beginning when you started doing them were for the best. Ooh, I am That's the hardest. That is the hardest <laughs> intro I've ever. That, that was hard. <laughs> that intro. I'm not saying that that's uh, that's the coolest thing it's ever happened. That was harder than I thought. <laughs> I didn't even know it was going to happen, and it just dun dun. That intro dun, went hard. And somebody was on their piano just getting it. Shout out to my man Tone for making that bad boy happen. Welcome in to today's show. Y'all. You got a great episode of Money Moves for you guys with mm. myself, Mattie, your co-host, Mr. Ryan Breedwell. We are getting just dumped on in California right now. Unbelievable. Snow, and uh, I'm not complaining. I mean, the hotel is getting, it looks like a winter wonderland up in Lake Tahoe, which will be great for business. But it's not fun when you're trying to operate a hotel in conditions, whiteout blizzard conditions like they are today. So that's been fun. But we got a great episode for you guys, where of course, you know, we talk all things stocks, real estate, investing and personal finance to help you on your wealth building journey to a million and beyond. We've got some interesting housing data that has come out this week. We're going to talk about the winners and losers from all the housing reports and consumer confidence data just dropped today. Is it up? Is it down? We're going to get Mr. Breedwell's take on the stock market. And is it actually better than it looks and feels right now? Or is it worse? And do we have more gloom and doom ahead? We are going to be covering it all today. I want to start out with this, Mr. Breedwell. I got a question for you. You got it. So obviously, we know the last 18 months, a lot of asset classes have been getting, you know, uh, hit some harder than others. And I saw a report released today 
that one asset class has outperformed returns from stocks and cryptocurrencies. Mm. Curious if you know what asset class I'm talking about. I could cheat and say that I do because you already told me. <laughs> um, I was, I was, I loved surprised. your original answer. I wasn't surprised. What did I say? You said, uh, well, I said, uh, eggs. You said <laughs> eggs, orange juice. I think, I I mean, think eggs and orange juice probably outperform both, honestly. Those assets are definitely up higher than the, the ones that we're talking about. Uh, nearly all asset classes are down so far over the past 18 months, but the market for secondhand luxury watches have outperformed stocks and crypto, if you can believe it. I can believe that because uh, you, you, you have to remember people are blowing a lot of the money they made uh, prior and they can't afford the original. So the resale on those watches is great. A lot of times they appreciate. So you can buy them for a price and sell them for a higher price. That's a pretty good uh, it's like buying a house. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, it was the secondary market that ultimately a lot of those profits were realized in. So interesting to see how, you know, certain assets, right? When you... And I think I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts on alternative asset classes and, and kind of the rise of alternative asset classes based on culture, based on consumerism that have really kind of, I guess, developed or blossomed over the last decade. Were these types of asset classes always around mm-hmm. and you can know about them or have new ones come onto the scene and kind of has, you know, social media, mainstream, you know, news and, and really kind of culture and society um, created more of a demand for these types of asset classes. I don't know what that used to be called, but it, it wasn't called alternatives. Um can't remember the name of the investment class it used to be called prior to alternatives, but it, they have been around for quite some time. This, the popularity in them had not gotten uh, to the level where it's at today. And I just think people's, um, when you have the advent of the internet and then people get the data level that they get now, people have a better understanding of those asset classes and understand that they can derive yield. Um, and income from them in a way that you can't uh, like normal assets that people invest in, which is just based on annualized return. Yeah. Um, so I think that is why they've become very popular. I'm not a huge fan of like the apps. Um, they're they're just not as good as having like I, we have a I have in most of my portfolios my non stock portfolios. If I used funds, we'll throw some alternative mutual funds in there from uh, BlackRock. Um, normally have like between four and 6% of the portfolio there. And it's just better than cash and it's not a bond mm-hmm. and it's not as correlated to the stock market. And they tend to have large distributions on small amounts of money. So uh, alternative asset classes, I think are really key to a diversified portfolio. Because if you don't have them, your correlation to the stock market or, or the market as a whole on the upside and the downside is you're, you're too correlated. If the S&P goes down by 100 or by 50%, you don't want to go down by 50. If it goes up by 10, you don't want to only go up by 6. So it's trying to find that balance. And alternatives can help provide uh, not necessarily annualized rate of return. Some can. But some, what they can do is help with the total return by giving you a 5, 6, 7, 8, 10, 12 plus percent yield on that asset mm-hmm. in a semi-safe place. Just in a very, you know, a lot of times um, the stuff people invest in is like more sophisticated. It's not just 
hey, I own a share of Hershey or a share of Microsoft. You know, hey, I'm putting my money into the refinancement of a shipyard. So that's a lot more of a complicated thing to do. And there's funds that are available. And I really like the BlackRock funds that we use um, that help people get access to that, but in a way that's liquid. We need to get out of it. I can just sell the mutual fund. So the mutual yeah. fund has you know, really got their you know, toes in it and fingers in it. And that's one of the advantages of like doing syndication work on some of the deals that you give to our uh, people that are subscribed, the accredited investors. It just gives them an opportunity to not necessarily do the work, but get a lot of the and the lion's share of the rate of return on the asset class without having to have the professionalism or know how to do it. So alternatives are great. I think that if you don't have alternatives, it's a great idea to add to your portfolio. Just not like you shouldn't put 100% of your money into an alternative. It's an alternative investment. I mean, yep. you have a basis before you go into stuff like that. But they're great. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's been so many that have kind of come onto the scene over the the last few years. And obviously with technology becoming uh, you know, more advanced and kind of creating a bridge for people to cross and engage in these asset classes. We've seen the rise of them become a little bit more popular, especially right in some of these um, more fringe assets, right? I mean, you've got investing in spirits, you've got investing in, you know, watches, you've got, you know, diamonds, you've got wine, all kinds of different things now that people are finding ways to store money, have it be something that's fun, generate some returns and yields. While, of course, I think you still got to be careful around one, like you said, they're alternatives for a reason. They come with their own set of risks. Um, And at the same time, right, suitability wise, some are, you're locked in a little bit longer, you know, some are, you know, more liquid. So making sure that you understand what kind of alternatives you're investing in. But I think it's a fun way to kind of get out of, you know, sometimes when people I feel like kind of get the itch of like the boring real estate investment, the boring stocks and bonds, right? It is a cool way to kind of diversify a little bit and have it be something that's new and fun and may pair with a passion or something that you're, you know, looking to get more involved in and uh, and still find a way to to generate some returns and make investing right a little bit sexy and a little bit fun. But as you and I both know, right, going back to the foundation of investing, having a plan is usually going to be something that's heavily allocated in your you know financial markets, in real estate, layering in some insurances, and then obviously you know having some of those playful uh, smaller buckets that you can play in. So before we dig into what you're seeing in the stock market. I know a lot of people are feeling a little bit down, a little bit blue. I know you are on the stock market and you know the data that we've been seeing out. We're going to, you know, get your take on sifting through some of that data and really get into, you know, the core of how bad is the market? What are we going to see, you know, in the next few months and ultimately hopefully the sentiment for the entire year. Mm-hmm. And before we dig into that, I just want to make sure that the people who are you know new to the podcast and haven't taken advantage of the resources and all the things that we offer our Millionaire Mindcast family and listeners, whether it's a free financial x-ray with you and your team, which consists of... We will take a look at your current investments, insurance, all that kind of stuff, aggregate it together, go over kind of some holes that we might find in the plan, make some recommendations on to improve that. And if you want to implement those recommendations, we'll help you do that. Generally speaking, we can help 
most people improve their bottom line. And so if you guys want to take advantage of that or engage with Ryan and his team, text the word X-ray to 844-447-1555. And for those of you who are accredited investors uh, and investors in general that you know want to know more about different syndication and investment opportunities, whether it's in businesses like the Green Coffee Company that we've been raising capital for, whether it's for apartment building syndications that we've done in the past, laundromats and different businesses, or uh, got some exciting stuff coming up here on one particular alternative investment that I'm involved in um, that we'll be sharing out here relatively soon. Just text the word DEALS to 844-447-1555. That'll get you on my credit investor list. And we have all kinds of other cool resources and things for you guys to check out at millionairemindcast.com. So be sure to check out the website as well. But let's dive into what we've been seeing over the last week and really you know, what feels like after the Fed shared their sentiments on the market, some of their concerns, you know, we had the discussion last week, 50 bips sounds outrageous. That'd be crazy aggressive and very concerning. We're more so in the camp of a 25, you know, basis point rate hike on the next meeting. How does the market respond to that? And ultimately, is that what we're going to see from your perspective? Yeah, I was hoping that we would get a, a pause um, earlier than I think we are. So now I'm going to have to revise that. Like I was saying, I believe last week, 25 basis points is likely going to be the uh, rate hike at the next two meetings. So this one coming up, the one after that. Um, and it's just because the data that a lot of the shelter data that we're getting is just lagging and is a lagging indicator. And so it's taking time for that to catch up and show kind of the true scenario where we're at with inflation. There are things that are more expensive. Consumers are feeling the stickiness of inflation right now in all sorts of areas. But overall, the leading indicators and the leading economic data, that is um, meaning that it's, it's more forward-looking and present data, is saying that um, inflation is not only under control, but continuing to go down. And that was indicated today, again, by the Case-Shiller Price Index. Um, being down to 4.8% on an expect 5.8, which the 5.8 would have been a drop from the 6.4% last month. So um, that type of stuff is shelter data is honestly what's hurting us the most right now. That is the number one thing holding kind of the economy back. I think we're going to be a range bound probably for a while because of that. But I'm kind of still, um, even though the uh, interest rates are where they're at, I am 100% still sticking to my guns that we bottomed out uh, in October, started a new bull market here in November of 2022. It generally take four to six months, probably six months uh, on this cycle to really get roaring because people are going to get rotated. Institutions are going to take positions, options, all that kind of stuff. Um, then right around May, I think that would be, we should see the stock market start to really start catching legs and start moving forward in a positive way. I think we'll get an indication sometime in July that they'll start pausing interest rates and they're probably going to cut interest rates sometime between October and December. Um, I do think some of one of the funny things is um, people hate to listen to analysts and investors when the market's going good, but when the market's going bad, people like to listen to them. So we have like Bank of America, uh, and I even believe Goldman Sachs saying that they believe rate cuts are going to now be in uh, quarter one of 2024. And uh, these were the same banks that in 2007 and 2008 were telling you that they weren't uh, over leveraged. 
So you got to balance. Um, you have to balance what you're hearing from the same people that told you that you know everything was okay when it wasn't are now trying to tell you that things aren't okay and they probably are. Um, so that's my position. I'm sticking to it. Um, definitely going to be choppy market for the next few months, but really still looking good. I, I still think as of right now uh, to be have a good setup to be uh, potentially in that 4,400 zone uh, on the S&P by the end of the year. So I would be failing our listeners if we didn't go back to your favorite bull or your favorite bear. It feels like the the bull market that we've been kind of feeling pent up and is coming has kind of had some false starts. Mm-hmm. And to bring up Peter Schiff, mm-hmm. his last statement that uh, you can see here, Tone, on the screen, the January PCE confirms his, of course, bear sentiment that uh, this disinflationary environment that many people have been talking about and continue to you know, use to point to the future of this bull market coming around the corner is that disinflation is over. The inflation curve has turned upward again, and soon year-over-year numbers will be hitting new cycle highs. Not only are the PCE numbers for January hotter than expected, but month-over-month and year-over-year, they are sequentially hotter than December. So with this data that has come out, what's your argument to that being that I think we both would probably agree the data is very lagging and maybe isn't necessarily representative of what the current climate is today. But at the same time, are we in an inflationary environment again? And has the pendulum swung back in that direction? Um. So again, um, I'll kind of say the same thing to start this. Like I said about the banks, Peter Schiff has just not really had a track record of ever being right. Um, so I'll, I'll start by saying that. And if you'd like, just go look up his funds. Um, they suck. Uh, secondly to that, I don't agree with that. And there's a lot of reasons <laughs> because... Cherry pick one piece of data and say that that's the you know that's the be all end all or the hall, hallmark. But PCE is not the hallmark data uh, point to indicate anything is uh, one way or the other. I saw people posting charts on uh, Twitter on the thirty day and the ten day moving average, and I was like, "What the actual fuck is this?" Nobody charts the ten day and the thirty day moving average at all. But you can do that and admit the chart will will align with your story. Uh, my point being, I think there's a lot of people trying to find a narrative so they can sound right because nobody is brave enough to just say something and be wrong because for some reason, people have to be in this this stock market, this casino that we have and somehow always pick the winning, always get the winning hand dealt to them and always pick the winning machine and always make the right decisions. And that's just not how it works in investing. So that and painting that false narrative for people that they should expect that and that you know this is what the wealthy do and this is you know when you're doing it right you don't ever take losses peter schiff has been blowing it for years his funds <laughs> average less than three and a half percent i mean long term i mean that's garbage you could close your eyes and buy a, a fucking 20-year t- treasury bill and average more than that so it's really not hard so excuse my language here i just it just kind of is comical to me um when you just have a name like Oh, it's Peter Schiff. Who's Peter Schiff? I mean, who's Peter Schiff? 
Um, so again, I'll get back to it. No, uh, yield curve is actually looking good and, and better when we do see bonds kind of do their rallies and they're rallying in the right way. Short term debt is starting to, even though it did tick up pretty aggressively over the past uh, 45 days, it's starting to pull back. And then long term debt is starting to have higher yields. So today we saw the five year and the two year pull down on yields and the uh, 10 year and the 30 year pull up on yield. That's good that we want people to be paid more for longer term debt than shorter term debt. So that's good on the yield curve. Conversely, almost 46% of the stocks trading in the stock market as a whole were in the green today. Indexes were in the red, but the indexes are not showing the full picture. And as I said, normally when we go into a brand new bull market, I've said this multiple times, the the starting area is going to be small caps. And if you look at um, a heat map of where there was money being made today, well, I'll give you a, a hint, small cap growth. And in fact, the average rate of return on small cap growth today was 36 basis points, 0.36%. The average loss on value and blend small cap was less than one basis point. So those areas of the market are still doing good while the overall market is not doing good. And I just think people are rotating out of certain names, energy, industrials, healthcare, defensive equity names that generally people go into when the market's choppy, like where people were last year and where people were piling into at the beginning of this year and the end of last year. Um, We also had a little bit of the January effect where we had a really big uh, run up in stocks, kind of a drunken rally on some garbage names that didn't really need to be going up, but did go up. And that kind of lulled people into the market, kind of into a, a bull trap right there. So those little things in the short term are causing some pullback, but we're still on the long-term trajectory, on the long-term trend line. We're still above it, and we're likely going to bounce off of that here somewhere around the 39 to high 38s and continue to have another little bit of a rally. And I think that's what we're going to do for the next few uh, months. We're going to be somewhat range-bound. And so dollar cost averaging, putting money into the stock market consistently over these next six months is going to be very important. And really, people who've been putting money into the stock market over the past 15 months and continuously have been doing that are going to be the ones that fare the best when this rally really sets in and starts to go. Because all those people are doing are buying assets, averaging their internal costs down, and, and getting ready to kind of light the dry powder. It's just sitting there pouring powder into this keg and saying, how much can I fill it up with before I light it? I'm just, I'm over here rubbing my hands because it's kind of like the way I look at it is, you know, in the winter, it gets a little (laughs) cold and you got to do whatever you got to do to kind of, you know, stay warm in the meantime. But when the furnace kicks back on and the fire starts blazing, you're, you're feeling good. It's a beautiful time when you, I had people, I remember from 2020 to 2021 making triple digit returns and ETFs, which is just equity ETFs, which is ridiculous. That's not normal. Um, so we shouldn't get, I don't think we're going to get a rally like that maybe in one year, but when you have the stock market go up and continuously go, people are going to absolutely flow back into the market. Like it is a, it's a crack rock and <laughs> and their name is Hunter Biden. Um, I, knew, I knew you were going there. I was waiting. I was waiting. There, uh, so that that is uh, that's what I'm excited for. I'm excited for that. We're for, like I said, about to go into the 16th month of this um, 
bear market. It's been a, it's been a longer than uh, expected or anticipated by anybody uh, market, generally because the technicals are getting thrown off by lots of stuff that we haven't dealt with before. But yeah, there's um, so many different variables this go around that I yeah. think were hard to account for based on historical yeah. patterns and data. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. Yep. And as the dust continues to settle, right? Maybe it goes on a little bit longer than any of us would like or maybe expected. But I think this isn't going to be for the newer investors and and really just for the, the seasoned and savvy investors. Because I think I need to hear this all the time myself is it's not going to be the last time we face another challenging market like oh this that tries your patience, that tests your resolve and your grit to power through you know, some of the mental, physical, financial burdens that are in front of us at certain seasons of our life. And that's where just having the plan and the, the discipline to fall back on your default, you know, habits that you committed to and agreed in the beginning when you started doing them were for the best in terms of your long-term health, your long-term financial success, mm-hmm. right? You, you have to really remove a lot of those emotions and, and remind yourself that this is... This is the journey. I loved what Morgan Housel said in his book, The Psychology of Money, which is volatility is the price you pay for getting wealthy. And when you look at all the people who have really not only weathered challenging financial storms and times, but thrived through them or post them and continued to pass on generational wealth, I mean, some of the wealthiest families, some of the wealthiest businesses, they weren't immune to the financial and economic and world and global challenges that were going on over the last however many years of that economic system, right? They found a way to push through them and they found a way to ultimately win through them. And those are the things that I have to constantly remind myself of no matter how challenging times get or how emotionally uneasy my stomach feels by doing some of the things that feel counterintuitive to the emotion in that moment. 
when you look back in the rearview mirror and you're like, man, thank God I did that. I didn't follow you know, my emotion. That ended up being something that was a great financial decision over the long term. That's where having a real plan, good counsel around you and being just involved in the right conversations can get you out of your own head from making some mistakes or decisions that may not serve you based on the emotion driving versus going, okay, these people have the same fears you know, that I do, but they are following through with the commitments and the, the plans that they decided were best aligned with their goals long term. And I think that's something that I constantly have to remind myself, especially in times like right now. Yeah, I mean, a good example of what you just said is um, like a company like GE, um, you know, who, I mean, was down to almost $30 a share from th- being $180 long term dividend paying, huge, huge, huge part of the Dow removed from the Dow, now it's an S&P component. Um, th- that company had had to go through some crazy headwinds, completely rebrand. They have to do GE Healthcare now. They have to spin off all these companies. But instead of folding under pressure, they've revamped themselves. And now I think they're trading at I don't know, $80, $90 a share, so a 300% rate of return um, since yeah. that downfall in... Uh, 2020, and they're on their way back to being the company they were, and and now have potential to be. And it it would take that bad, you know, hit on the chin to go to get to where they're going to get to. But they had a choice whether to fold and go through bankruptcy and sell their assets off, or completely reorganize and restructure their company and keep that brand going. And that's what they chose to do. So, to your point, that is exactly what you have to do. Well, if you were looking for some exciting opportunities and massively distressed and discounted properties in the real estate space, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer. A lot of data has come out this week regarding the overall strength of the single family housing market still in spite of a lot of the headwinds that are, you know, pushing back what was an insanely hot real estate market. But this last week, pending home sales increased 8.1% data released for the month of January. It's still down 24.1% year over year. Um, But still, overall, this is a a pretty good sign, uh, an indicator forward-looking of home sales based on contract signings. And obviously, I think part of that um, you know, was due to some rate easing where people were getting off the fence. But overall, rates still aren't that great. They remain much higher than they were to begin the month with um, an average lender moving up from 6% or 5.99% to 6.78% um, since February 2nd. The 30-year fix right now is I think at 6.78%, which is still pretty crazy. But when you got inventory, which this last week of inventory data decreased 1.6% week over week. So when you got inventory and supply still so low and you still got a relatively decent amount of equity in the marketplace that's still trying to find a way you know, to find a home, um, obviously for a lot of people, right? A lot of that free dry powder is going to go into their primary residence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, inventory is up you know, compared to the same week in 2022, but it is down almost 48% compared to the same week in 2019. So we still have, you know, 
a long ways to go for inventory to catch up. And when you see, you know, pending home sales data like that, that's telling you demand is is strong, especially if it's increasing. So I think that's going to be something that um, you know will be important to pay attention to on the the pending home sales and you know where rates end up because you know when the Fed sees this kind of data, I mean, what do you think you know Jerome Powell and the the Federal Open Markets Committees are saying right now when they see this kind of housing data and how they're deciding what do they do with rates going forward? They're going to say that their suspicions are correct and they need to continue raising rates. And that's, I don't fault them for that. Um, Based on the metrics they're using, I just think the metrics they're using are incorrect. And if they use different metrics, we would be in a different spot with the economy right now. Well, I'm curious because I think that's an interesting conversation, right? Around what data or metrics could they maybe be adjusting to based on new times, new landscapes, new access to technology that could remove OER and the shelter data and they need to make Case Shiller a price uh, price index a part of the housing data. I mean, those two things probably fix the problem completely. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting thought, right? Of like, why why don't it? It's almost like why why is a CPI wage index tied so much to oil? And then you and then that has uh, they use that for retirees. Retirees don't use that much oil on as much as somebody that's working on a day to day basis. So why would that be tied so much to their cost of living adjustments on their Social Security payments? Yeah, doesn't really make a ton of sense, does it? <laughs> that's just the way. Unfortunately, they do it sometimes. And so I, there's a lot of things that are, I would say are long in the tooth that need some looking at. But some retooling it makes no with the amount of technology and how fast we can get data today while we're looking back at stuff that's 90 days, 140, 150 days old to make decisions for today. That's just absolutely so stupid to me. Well, it'll be interesting to see what pending home sales do in the coming months. I mean, year over year, pending transactions dropped almost 25%. So what they are doing is working in some capacity. But if it starts trending in the wrong direction, it's going to be interesting to see how they play this interest rate game. Home values um, this last week, both the Case Shiller House Price Index and the Federal Housing Finance Agency um, for December, the, that data was released. So the S&P CoreLogic Case Shiller uh, National Home Price Index, covering all nine U.S. Census divisions broken up across the, the U.S., reported a 5.8% annual gain in December, which is down from 7.6% in the previous month. So coming down a little bit. The month-over-month decrease in the seasonally adjusted Case-Shiller National Index was at negative 0.35%, six consecutive month-over-month decrease, a slightly larger decrease than in November, and the largest declines were in Las Vegas at negative 1.5%, Phoenix, negative 1.3%, and Portland, negative 1.3%, which were markets that really saw, one, some aggressive growth during the pandemic, um, but are starting to slow down. San Francisco has fallen 12.7% from the peak in May of 2022, and really was the first Case-Shiller city with a year-over-year decline of negative 4.2%. Seattle is now down to at negative 1.8% year over year, which I find as, you know, uh, a validating point, I guess, for the Fed. Some of these larger, you know, metropolises that were just insanely hot, crazy demand, 
are starting to decline and, and really kind of catch up a little bit, which is ultimately what they want to see. The ones that fared the best, Miami, Tampa, and Atlanta reported the highest year-over-year gains among the 20 cities in December. Miami led the way at 15.9% year-over-year price increase. People want that food, that, mm-hmm. that sun, that That's sand. Sunshine. Um, followed by Tampa uh, in second with a 13.9% increase and Atlanta in third, 10.4% increase. So um, interesting to see you know, what the, the single family housing market is doing. But what I can tell you is there is a little bit of a storm brewing uh, in commercial real estate. And that's really where I'm interested in paying the most attention to. Obviously, if you're a single family investor, you know, tracking the data that is coming out in the housing reports is very important. Um, and if you're a commercial real estate investor, um, we're seeing some... When I start to see the big boys and girls skin their knees and kind of do a little bit of a face plant, um, we're seeing some of the top landlords across the country and some of the largest commercial square footage in the country defaulting on their loan payments on the buildings that they own. So that's something to be paying attention to. And I'm already seeing some more opportunities that actually are penciling and starting to make some sense. I still think we got a long ways to go for commercial real estate, especially with certain asset classes. But Freddie Mac um, mortgage reported um, serious delinquency rate unchanged in January. Fannie Mae um, noted a decrease slightly uh, single family serious delinquency rate in January was 0.66% unchanged from 0.66%. Um, and then in Freddie, this is where I, I just, it caught my eye. Multifamily delinquency. Um, note that multifamily from Freddie Mac report, multifamily delinquencies have been increased slightly and were at 0.12% in January up from 0.07% in January of 2022. So. I think it's going to be interesting to pay attention to what happens with multifamily because that one was probably the hottest. Um, And I think that will be interesting and telling that if those numbers start to increase um, in a negative, you know, context for that asset class, or at least start softening, you're for sure going to see all the other areas because that one was the most insulated um, out of all the asset classes due to the pandemic, shelter, that kind of stuff. But that being said, you know, asking rents are falling. And, you know, this is something that I think um, will tie back into CPI and PCE, um, which will hopefully, you know, forecast and project out what kind of trends we might be seeing in, you know, the commercial um, and housing spaces. I do think that there's going to be an insane opportunity for um, readaptive use in commercial spaces. I mean, I'm looking at one right outside the studio right now, which is a big, vacant, empty Kmart building. And you're going to see a lot of big... Oh, yeah, what? You're going to see a lot of Somebody big... You're going to see a lot of big... That's the donut. That's where people do donuts on Friday nights. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hear them outside my, my office all the time. But yeah. you're, you're going to see Kmarts. You're going to see big office buildings. You're going to see... Oh. You know I mean? There's massive amounts of vacancy right now in San Francisco and office. So I think, you know, you're going to see people get creative with readaptive use in certain commercial assets that are going to make them a fortune and be very successful. But that doesn't mean that if you're not a big institutional player, you can't take advantage of the commercial opportunities that are out there and available um, and are, and are going to be coming more plentiful 
in the coming months. So getting clear on your criteria, getting your banking relationships dialed in, you know, looking at creative seller financing options and how you can make deals pencil and make a win-win in the short term while you restabilize assets, then go to refinance them and get permanent debt. Um, I think it's going to be a, a, an exciting time for investors over the next few years and definitely want to make sure you take advantage of it. And if you're not one of those people that actively wants to be out doing it, then join my accredited investor list and I'll get some deals in front of you uh, by texting the word deals to 844-447-1555. With that being said, we will keep you guys in the loop on all things stocks, real estate investing, and personal right. finance. And if you are not subscribed to the channel, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. All we ask is that if you guys enjoy the content, the data that we share and uh, scrape up for you guys each and every week, take two minutes, leave a five-star review on iTunes. It would mean the world to us. Don't forget to take advantage of your free financial x-ray on your portfolio by texting the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Come on over, Mr. Breedwell says he don't bite. And uh, with that being said, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to a million and beyond. We'll see you guys in next week's episode. Cheers. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is you know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to, to help you sharpen your ax, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that X-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and you're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high net worth individuals, be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate, to hear what they're doing, and to have a whole, a whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friends. Cheers.